0: Welcome to the Emily Hibbard Show, where I, Emily Hibbard, interview fascinating people from different backgrounds, experiences, occupations, and faiths. Clinical pharmacist Amy Jones is joining me from Raleigh, North Carolina today. Amy, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you, Emily. It's so I'm so happy to be here.
0: So one of the things that I think is fascinating about you is that you work in a prison. That's correct. How did you end up working in a prison? What do you do? So how
1: I ended up working in a prison. I currently live in Raleigh, North Carolina. So uh, we have a really big healthcare system here uh, with UNC being one of them one of the parties. And I did my residency at UNC and as a pharmacist. And I decided that I wanted to go into HIV uh, pharmacy specifically. And the prison itself has a very large HIV population. And so I applied, waited about six months uh, to see if I got the job because that's just how the state works. And I got it. So I started working as an HIV pharmacist uh, there about 10 years ago. And since then, my job has um, ebbed and flowed, but I still do HIV pharmacy um, almost every day. And I currently uh, clinically cover a uh, hospital floor because our prison in uh, North Carolina is uh, a little unique in that we have a full uh, hospital facility as well as a inpatient mental health. So we take care of all sorts of uh, patients. When they get a little too critical, then they are sent out. But we are able to house and uh, manage. 120 patients uh, for Mm -hmm. inpatient medical, and then probably around that um, same amount for um, inpatient mental health. So as a clinical pharmacist, I uh, manage uh, their drugs. I make sure that when they come in that their um, drugs are not only appropriate for their medical condition that they come in with, but that they... Um, if they have any changes in their body, in their kidney, in their liver, uh, I dose for that. I also uh, dose what we consider the um, narrow therapeutic drugs that um, can ebb and flow, can change very rapidly based on the patient's condition, so we dose those and take care of those as well. And then for the state, I'm actually the HIV clinical pharmacist for the whole state of North Carolina, um, the providers... Uh, see patients um, through our various, what we call prison camps, uh, which are basically prison facilities uh, that are located all throughout the state. And they come and see about two or three HIV providers. And when they see them, I review their um, notes and I look at their drugs. And if there's any questions with drug interactions or clinical dosing or um, changing drugs, I kind of help manage all of that as well.
0: Wow. That is a lot. Yeah. <laughs> what, what drew you to HIV in the first place? That's pretty, that's pretty niche.
1: Yeah, pretty specific. Um, I think I, so I did my, uh, so I, as, so my pharmacy background is that I'm from California as Emily is, and I attended, uh, California State University, Long Beach And then from there, I went to University of the Pacific, uh, uh, Thomas J. Long School of Pharmacy in Stockton, California. And then from there, I went to UCSF to do my pharmacy residency. And then from there, I came out to North Carolina to do another secondary residency. And so when I was at UCSF, I met a clinical pharmacist who was in charge of the um, HIV clinic. And I just found the drugs so fascinating and challenging, and I like a challenge. And so I wanted to... uh, I just wanted to learn all I could about them, and I just thought it was so neat that here you have a drug with uh, HIV, which is a which is a chronic disease, uh, a long-term disease, and if these patients take these drugs, then essentially they're, they can be managed very successfully and live a very long life, and so that was just fascinating to me, and I wanted to know everything I could about it. So when the position opened up at the prison, I was super excited, and I got to work with um, some really great colleagues and who taught me and helped me. And so, um, you know, that's what I continue to do today. I, and I love the patients too. They're mm-hmm. uh, the prison population can be a little different. Um, you have patients who come in and you're a little timid about little They're I'm sorry. They are intimidating to you. And then you have other patients who are just so thankful and so gracious and just so wonderful. So, um, just working with that population. And then you see the same patients over and over because it's a chronic disease. It doesn't, it doesn't go away. And so you just see them and you interact with them and you get to know them and you kind of know their idiosyncrasies and what they like and what they don't. And it was just, it was just fascinating. And then the prison stories that they tell is just
0: <laughs> <laughs> what, 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 what's a whopper you've heard?
1: Oh my goodness. Um, some of them may not be appropriate for. The- <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, but um, but just interesting how they um, how they are able to get things into the prison um, and how they are able to store things inside their body. <laughs> um, those are probably some of the the, the big most uh, interesting ones. But I don't know if that's really appropriate to talk about. On them. Okay,
0: so we'll, just, go- we'll just <laughs> allude to how they do that. Um, okay. So I've, I, I'm not familiar with, with prisons or prison populations really at all. So is, is HIV something that is, that, that North Carolina, that Raleigh is having a higher than normal, uh, issue with, or, or, or problem with, or is it, is HIV very common in in prisons in in all states and and there's tens of other people like you that are clinical pharmacists in prisons, specifically dealing with HIV?
1: That's a good question. Uh, I'm not sure if there, I'm sure there are other pharmacists who deal with HIV. HIV is rampant in the prison system. Um, I think it's mostly the population that you see, uh, that, uh, that the, the 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 population that come to prison are also the population that have HIV. So uh, the highest population are black males, uh, and so you have a lot of that in the prison system, and especially in North Carolina. And so you see, you just see it increase in uh, in that. And then in the South, in general, HIV seems to be um, a higher prevalence than in the rest of the country. And so. Uh, that's uh just kind of what we see within now to tell you a little bit about the prison system, a lot of people confuse prison with jail i will go I will tell you a little give you a little tutorial yeah on that.
0: break break it down for us
1: okay. so when an, so when an, <clears throat> when an uh, offender gets uh charged and they are in the in under under custody, they will typically go to a jail and a, and if a jail can house them successfully, if they're healthy, there's nothing wrong with them, then the jail will keep them for uh, until you know they go to court or some sort of action happens legally. If they are not able to sustain them because of the very expensive drug that they're on or uh, they can't walk or they can't take care of their, um, they call, we call them ADLs, activities of daily living, any, or they're on dialysis any type of medical reason or even physical reason that they cannot take care of themselves, that they require some support, then they will get sent to uh, the prison Mm
0: -hmm. and the prison
1: will house them for, especially in our hospital, uh, we call them safekeepers, meaning they're not under the uh, jurisdiction of the prison, they're still part of the county, but the county cannot successfully hold them. So we hold them until they either go to court, they get sentenced, something has to happen until they become under the custody of the prison system. Um, There, we also, where I work is a high, um, a high security prison. So we have different units. We have, um, we have what's, we have a a unit called death row where uh, those inmates will stay until, you know, the state decides, um, you know, what they can do with them versus the death penalty or not. Um, And so we just have different uh, areas in our prison where we house these patients. Um, One of the main, Prison, one of the main areas, if they're not in the hospital, then they're in another part of the prison called um, just one of the units. And, and they, uh, they wear yellow jumpsuits to distinguish them between the other inmates. Uh, so that's kind of how the prison system works and, and how we end up with so many people at one time.
0: That You're blowing my mind on so many ways. Okay, so one of the things when you're talking, I'm thinking, okay, here you have inmates on death row, which is crazy. I mean, you seem like a really nice person. And here you are dealing with inmates on death row. How, if you have an inmate on death row, right, they did some bad stuff and they will, I mean, they're going to be killed, punished for what they did.
1: That, that, that is beyond the scope of this. That is um, a legal, you know, that's a—that's all dependent on the state and whether the governor enacts the death penalty at the time and so forth. So okay. they, just, they just, they're just they just pretty much there. There is no, um, there's no where for them to go.
0: You're so not they, the one giving them the, the the, you know, the medication to,
1: no, okay. No, 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 Okay.
0: <laughs> you're, so Wait. you're just doing HIV.
1: Yeah. I just do HIV, but I interact with some patients who are on death row and they're, to tell you the truth, they are the nicest people you will ever meet. And part of the reason that people say is that, um, this is their home. This is where they live. So they're not going to do things that would, that you would think, um, would jeopardize their liberties while they're there because you can do certain things um, where you get, you know, punishment for um, certain, certain, when I say punishment, I just mean that certain uh, rights are taken away uh, temporarily to, you know, have some sort of consequence for your actions. So, um, so yeah, there's, so there's that. Uh, So they're very nice, usually um, great to work with. Um, They, you know, follow directions. They're just, they're just really, really nice people. Um, the The people who act up or have more problems are the people who are there temporarily. Interesting. And don't you know, don't feel like they need to follow the um, rules of the prison system or feel like they need to, they, um, they're, they're very upset or they're angry because they're only there for a short period of time or things like that.
0: Wow. So, wow, so fascinating. Okay, so let me ask you this. If yeah. you have a, an inmate who's on death row, and they have HIV. Mm-hmm. Oh. Do you continue to who, let that dog? Out? <laughs> do you Is that your ridge back?? <laughs> yeah. okay. I'm going to leave that in. <laughs> um, do you continue to treat them for HIV, even mm-hmm. though they're on death row?
1: Oh, you're, there are no, there's no discrimination between, you know, where the says you are. When you're, when you come to the hospital or you're being treated for something, you are a patient, no matter what you've done, you know, if you're, if you are, um, you know, in a higher level of custody or not, doesn't matter. You are, you are a patient and first, I mean, for medical, you are a patient. And so we will offer you the treatment that you want or, or um, you know, that's appropriate for your condition whatever treatment that is. You can refuse it. You don't have to take it, but we will offer you, you know, the options just like we would any other person.
0: Mm. Now you mentioned that you wanted to get into HIV because it was challenging. So with, with HIV now, right? Not in the 1980s, uh, with HIV now, how, how do you treat that? What, when someone has HIV, do you put them on a certain protocol and they're good to go? Or is it a moving target that you're kind of trying to find the right cocktail?
1: So yeah, it's interesting you use the word cocktail. Uh, it's not really, we don't use that word anymore with HIV because it doesn't apply. Uh, there are so many what we call single tablet regimens that have multiple drugs in one single tablet that they can take once a day. And that's been a really big breakthrough with HIV. Um, there's also, so when a patient comes in brand new, just got diagnosed with HIV, uh and you know all their labs and everything looks fine. We can offer them a pill that they could pretty much take the rest of their life if if they were compliant with, and if you know no other medical issues they had. So that's what's beautiful about HIV is that it's so treatable. It's um, and then if we go to the preventable side, um, there's a lot of talk about what's called PREP, which is called pre-exposure prophylaxis, meaning that if you take a pill. Uh, if you are in a high-risk um, group uh, that is more likely to get HIV, you can take a pill that would prevent you from actually getting HIV. Uh, so it's an amazing breakthrough, and it's underutilized right now. Uh, so I'm giving a props to, um, to what we call PREP. And so it's an amazing opportunity, and this is a, this is a, this actually could be for anyone. Actually, I mean any person could take this drug and uh, prevent the risk of you know uh, getting hiv you of course you have to make sure that you have to go see a doctor you have to make sure that your labs are okay you have to make sure that you know, you're going to take it that kind of thing make sure you're compliant with it but if you go see your provider and you, know, you say i want this drug then it's then you know if you you go through all the, the regulation stuff that you need to do in order to, re- to receive it and if you take it you'd be pretty successful
0: well what's your favorite part about working about your job i mean you work in a prison around a different type of population than, you know, the, the average person you go in every day and you work with, I'm sure, wonderful people. Mm -hmm. What's, what's your favorite part about that?
1: Oh, so getting in is always difficult. Um, You go through, you have to have a clear plastic, clear bag to store all your contents. There's rules about what you can and what you can't bring in. Um, You get your stuff scanned in. You have to stand around um, a tower, what they call, and you twirl around it to make sure you're not carrying any metal. (laughs) Because you know, couldn't can't sneak in any cell phones, uh, and then you, uh, then you have to walk all the way up to you know your station. But um, the part that I like most about my job is probably being a pharmacist, um, and the people I work with, who were you know awesome and great, and then just the hours that I work. I work um, hours that are uh, can be managed with a family, you know, drop off and pick up that kind of thing. Um, I do enjoy. You, you know, the HIV side, uh, the, the prisoners can be really fun to talk to sometimes, depending on, you know, what scenario you're in. Uh, and they are always around you, by the way. You feel like they're always in a cell, but they're around you. They're out cleaning. You know, you say hi to them. You can talk to them if you want. Um, they're, they're just, they're always there. And that's just part of your job is just being around uh, prisoners and, um, you know, being in that kind of environment.
0: Well, wow. you live a fascinating life, Amy Jones.
1: <laughs> it's fun. I really do enjoy my job. Um, I like to work with the providers I work with. I um, my pharmacy staff is amazing. Um, my manager is great. Um, it's just it's just really fun. It's just it's a really great you know place to to work. If you're if anyone was considering working in a prison and was kind of um, you know timid. Um, there are obstacles that you have to overcome, like the making sure you bring in the right stuff and you can't bring your cell phone in and you know things like that. but um, but usually those jobs are not easily obtainable because people don't leave very often because it's so amenable to family life and um, just you know you're working for the state so you get the benefits of that. So it's just it's just a really great, it's a really great position for um, for me. Uh, and where I'm at in life at the at the moment.
0: Mm-hmm. And how how long have you been doing this? How long have you been in a prison? How long have you been in prison, Amy?
1: <laughs> I have been in prison for almost ten years. I've wow. been a pharmacist for about thirteen years. Okay. Because I did because uh, uh, I did actually fifteen if you count my residency. So I've been a pharmacist for a long time. And pharmacy is a great profession to go into as well. Uh, when you get into hospital pharmacy, it's 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 a, it's a little challenging, which is good. Because uh, it keeps you, you know, new and fresh, and we always get different questions. Being having patients come from the jail, we get all sorts of interesting cases. I will tell you about one case that I thought was very interesting. Um, it was a guy on my floor, he uh he worked at a farm and he handled essentially rat poison. I I don't know the name of it, but he was ha- physically handling that, wearing the protective. Uh, the proper precautions. And I don't know if he just didn't care, didn't know, I'm not sure, but it doesn't matter. He came in and there's a drug that you take for people who have clots in their legs and clots in their lungs, and it makes their blood thin so that uh, the clot can slowly dissolve itself so that it doesn't um, continue to grow with your with your uh, your blood coagulating. And because this man handled, uh, this rat poison, which is essentially one of the drugs that we give to patients, but we we give them in, you know in regulated doses and so forth, and we monitor the of
0: rat poison. Yeah,
1: there's a drug. There's a drug called warfarin that was manufactured from rat poison, and it and you know when rat, rats used to take it, they used to you know bleed out and die. So oh my
0: gosh. okay,
1: they took, they took that idea and they made it into a blood thinner. And a lot of people take it uh, for conditions uh, such as clots in your legs and clots in your lungs. And it's a very small dose. It's regulated. You monitor the blood levels and so forth. It's it's safe if you continue to use it properly. And uh, so this man, because through exposure, just had enormous, enormous amounts. And his blood levels were so high that we had to continually give him a vitamin. We call it vitamin K, which inhibits the um, uh, the or what, help, or what helps the um, uh, the cascade um, the co- helps your blood clot essentially because his blood was way way too thin than it should have ever been. I mean he's he's he could he could essentially bleed out of his gums and any type of cut that he had and so forth. So we had to give him higher doses of this drug called vitamin K than I would have ever given anyone in my life, and it was just such an amazing. Case, I had to contact UNC Hematology. I mean, I contacted all kinds of people. I said, "Help me, help me!" Because this is just so unusual. And so we just had to keep giving him more and more, like ten times the normal dose that you would give a person, um, hundred times the normal dose. I mean, it was just crazy how much how much this guy required. Eventually, uh, the, all the stuff was metabolized through his system, and he and he was fine. But it was just amazing. You don't see you don't see things like that um, wow. in the community.
0: Often. Rat poison was, thinning your blood. Huh?
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, it was just, it was really neat to have. I mean, we get, we get kind of interesting cases like that, that you would just, you know, never, never in your lifetime. Yeah. Ever. No,
0: that's the, you know, one of those curveball type stories that, yes. I mean, you're, you're thinking on your feet, you better think outside the box to save this guy's life because his yes. blood's too thin and for, and why, what, what happened? What's, what's going on? Right. And,
1: right. Huh. And they look, and the providers look to us to help them figure out, you know, how much we should give this guy. What should we do? You know, we got to do our research and that sort of thing
0: to come up with the right answer. Wow. Wow. Okay. Great story to end on. Rat poisoning acts as a blood thinner. So beware. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. Amy, thank you for coming on today. Seriously, you live a fascinating life.
1: Well, thank you very much, Emily. It's been really fun. Um, of course, love talking to you always.
0: Oh, thank you. Well, this concludes another episode of the Emily Hibbard show. I'd love to connect more with you. So follow me on Instagram at Emily Hibbard. That's at E-M-I-L-Y H-I-B-A-R-D. And I'll see you in the next episode.